Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Running with chariots. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Running with chariots. And we'll look at a couple of passages of Scripture here in a moment. But let's pray together, and then we'll dive in right to God's Word. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are the God above all gods, that no matter what our world faces and the disaster and the calamity and the heartache and the distress that goes on all around us, that our God reigns supreme, that we place our trust and our confidence in you. Uh, What can man do to us, God, when you are for us? So, Lord, we ask that you'll just illuminate our hearts today. You'll open up our minds to your word, that we'll walk in everything that you have us to walk in, and we'll be filled with confidence and boldness for the things you've called us to. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen and amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to two different places. You can write these scriptures down. I'll read from them in just a moment and give you some historical background first. But 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 45, and we'll be reading through 19, verse 4. And then also 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. But the topic today, running with chariots. And in this whole passage from 1 Kings, I'm going to take a few minutes to talk to you about what's taking place. It's called the, the context of the passage, historically what's happening. So, so make sure to lean in, make sure to pay attention because it's important for where we're going today. Uh, during this time in Israel's history, the kingdom of Israel had actually split. Uh, You had the northern kingdom, which is Israel, that retained that name, and the southern kingdom was referred to as Judah. In Israel, there was a man that God raised up, a prophet, a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God by the name of Elijah. And Elijah's name literally means the Lord is my God. When he said, my name is Elijah, people heard the Lord is his God. And Elijah was a prophet, and he stood up for righteousness during a time when everything had moved to darkness and unrighteousness. And and this isn't even just like our culture. I mean, this is far beyond our culture because during his day, they didn't just worship idols, the Baals and the Asherahs, but they also, if you were a follower of Yahweh, then your head was on the line. And there was a king, the most wicked king, Israel would have 19 consecutive wicked kings. Have you know, that's a long stretch of bad kings. 19 wicked kings in a row. And the most vile and wicked king of them all was the king during this time, and his name is King Ahab. And Ahab was ruthless. I mean, he was a murderer. He he hated everything that was righteous. He hated people who stood up for righteousness. And he hated, hated, hated Elijah. The man who God had raised up to proclaim righteousness The most powerful man, according to man's perspective, was Ahab. But how many of you know when God is with you, it doesn't matter how powerful your enemy might be against you, when God is with you, no man can stand against you. And Ahab, he was married to a lady, and boy, you thought Ahab had problems. (laughs) His wife had some major problems. Anybody know his wife's name? Just shout it out if you know it. Jezebel, old Jezzy. Jezebel. Jezebel was crazy. I mean, she was just absolutely nuts. I mean, some of you think you have it bad. <laughs> I'm just playing. Shouldn't have said that. 
Jezebel was crazy. You, 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 you can't even, she was like the, the greatest way you can describe her, she's like the personification of wickedness. Like she's almost a devil incarnate. And this isn't a gender thing. It was just she was really, really wicked. There's a lot of wicked men. There's a lot of wicked women. But this lady, man, she was wicked, wicked, wicked. And, and these, these two wanted to destroy Elijah. And, and this passage we're about to read, Elijah has had just a big day. I, I mean, one of the biggest days you can possibly imagine. You see, Elijah had gone up to a mountain called Mount Carmel. Anybody familiar with this story? Gone up to Mount Carmel, and man, there were 450 prophets of Baal. And then there's Elijah. And, and this was the thing they were doing. They were praying to see which God would answer by fire. Elijah stood up after the 450 prophets of Baal had been crying out all day long, send fire, send fire, send fire, but they were praying to a deaf and a mute and a non-existent God that did not exist. And then Elijah gets up, and he says just a couple of words. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I pray you will answer by fire. And fire fell in that moment. Pretty big day. Not only that, but all 450 prophets of Baal were actually killed. And then Elijah prayed an audacious prayer. You see, it hadn't rained in Israel in three and a half years. Somebody say, that's a long time. And for an agricultural society that was dependent upon water. This was an economic meltdown, not just a downturn. This is, there's no money in the bank. And Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel and he prays, and he prays, Lord, send rain. And guess what happened? God sent rain. How many of you think that we serve a God that when you pray and you believe and you cry out that he is able to do the impossible, that it might not have rained for three and a half years and you might not see change happen in your life, but you never know when God might show up. He prayed that it might rain and it rained. And this is where we pick up. You guys up to speed? This is where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 18. So the scripture says, and soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific, a ter uh, terrific rainstorm, and Ahab the king left quickly to Jezreel. Jezreel's around 20 miles away. It's important. Goes to Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt, and listen to this, and he ran ahead. Somebody shout, ran ahead. He ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel, chapter 19, verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. You just as I have killed them. Elijah, listen to this, verse three. Elijah was afraid. Shift in the story. Elijah was afraid and he fled. Other translations said he ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He goes to Judah. I didn't even think about this before, but now I'm thinking about it because I just read it. Holy Spirit just reminded me. He's a prophet to Israel, and now he's going to Judah. Fear will lead you places you're not supposed to go. He goes to Judah, and he left his servant there, then he went out alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Two runs. 
in three verses. Two very different runs in three verses. Two runs that were inspired and initiated by very two different factors. And when you read the Bible, you got to understand that there were some things that were culturally unacceptable, things that people just didn't do. And in ancient times, and even in the New Testament, it was uncommon and unheard of for a man to take off running. Some of y'all still living like you in ancient times. <laughs> if you're running, something is wrong. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody's getting set free. And here Elijah, in three verses, takes off running. He's like Forrest Gump. Run, Elijah, run. The first time we encounter in chapter 18, verse 45, it says that the Spirit of God came on Elijah and he outran chariots. Did you hear me? Like, big boy running fast. And I just, I have the, the opinion, can't prove it scripturally, but I don't think Elijah was like a slender man. I think he was husky. Any husky guys in the house? Like, you're a power lifter. Like doing some squats and power cleans. Like, Pastor Johnny, he's a husky man. He's a big, strong guy. He's not running like Hussein Bolt, if you know what I'm talking about. And Elijah by the power of the Spirit of God, starts chasing after chariots. Crazy, supernatural, beyond his ability. But when the Spirit of God comes on you and God himself calls you, then he will empower you to do what he's called you to do. And I just picture this. Text doesn't say it. I'm not trying to read into it. But he runs ahead of Ahab. I just wonder if like he passes Ahab. Like he's like, hey, what's up, Ahab? You saw what happened back there? Now I'm out running your chariots. It's a great day to be a man of God. And Ahab just thinking, what in the world does this guy have? And this is a reminder to everybody in here. You may feel like you don't have what other people have. You might not. You might not have what other people have. Elijah did not have horses. Elijah did not have chariots. Elijah did not have the wealth and resources and the power by man by which that Ahab had. But God will give you things and he will give me things and he will empower his church with things that the world does not possess. And you say, well, I don't have horses. I don't have chariots. I don't have education. I don't have resources. But when God calls you to run with chariots, you will be able to run with chariots. Can somebody give Jesus a hand of praise in this place? Runs, runs past him. Would love to have been there. Runs past him. Gets to Jezreel. God has called him to Jezreel for some reason. Everything when he gets to Jezreel changes. He gets one word. One Negative word from Jezebel. I'm going to kill you. One word, and he trips out completely and starts running for the second time in the wrong direction. But you know what? I can relate to Elijah. 
And I'm thankful that the man of God who seemed invincible and unstoppable and seemed like he's a superhero because God is doing so many great things in him and through him that he has a moment where he looks human. And I love that God uses imperfect people to do great things. That somehow Elijah had the greatest day of his life. I mean, can you imagine him getting to Jezreel? Somebody asked him, how was your day? He said, man, it was awesome. Like when great things happen to me, I tell everybody. Like I'm not, I don't, maybe it's not a good thing, but I'm just like, you won't believe it. He gets home and they say, how was your day? Whoo, man, I was up on this mountain, 450 prophets of Baal. They were doing all this crazy stuff. They prayed all day, nothing happened. I got up, I prayed and fire fell. Did you hear me? Fire fell. That's how I would do it. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. If you saw fire fall, you would go nuts. Fire fell. And then I went up and I prayed that it would rain. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. God opened the heavens. And guess what happened? You won't believe it. It started to rain. And then as if that's not enough, God said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And you go on to Jezreel where Ahab's going to meet Jezebel. And I ran. Just the fact that I was running is a big deal. But I ran horses and chariots. I mean, how many of you would agree? (laughs) This is a big day. Like your social media is blowing up. Hashtag, never had a day like this before. (laughs) You're just going crazy. But just like the enemy, when God starts to do a work in our lives, God starts to use me, starts to use you and things you thought would never happen. And maybe it doesn't look quite like running with chariots, but in God's eyes, it's just as powerful. Man, that marriage that you thought would never be restored starts to mend a little bit. Those people that you thought would never be reached, God starts to reach them a little bit. That workplace you thought would never change starts to change a little bit. That calling that you felt for a long time starts to happen a little bit. And God starts moving. But then one word. One little word can send me running in the opposite direction. Just one negative, destructive conversation I have with somebody. I mean, God's moving. I'm like fired up. And then somebody says a word over my life that it starts to take root in my heart and I take off running in fear. I'm telling you, church, there's one thing that the enemy loves to do He loves to stop the progress that God is making in your life. The things he's called you to do by instilling fear in your life. And there's a reason. Because he knows this. Pay attention to this. It's important. He went to Jezreel where he was supposed to go. Fear caused him to run in a direction he was not intended to go. God will place you in position by faith. The enemy will displace you out of position with fear. And we act like we don't struggle with this. People act like, oh, I'm not afraid. I don't deal with this. Man, the enemy is like a prowling lion when it comes to instilling fear in your life. He will work tirelessly to instill fear in your life to watch, to move you out of position or where God wants to use you. And this is the crazy thing. This is 
What is absolutely crazy is that we can experience one breakthrough after another, one miracle, one great move of God after another, and the enemy just so slyly will put one thought that sends us moving in another direction. Does anybody relate to this at all? This is something I can preach about because I've walked it. I've experienced it. So the question I want us to answer in the remainder of our time today is this. What do you do when fear comes? Because just like Elijah, fear will come on you. But God has given us some weapons to overcome fear. You guys want to hear it? He's given you weapons. 2 Timothy 1, 7. This is what it says. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. The first thing you have to do when fear comes knocking on the doorframe of your heart is recognize the source from which that fear comes. This sounds so simple, so simplistic. Man, give me something complicated, David. This might be simple to learn, but it is very difficult to practice. Because when fear comes on you, it's on you. And it's intense. And it's real. And it can consume you in a moment. Some of you know what I'm talking to. Some of you right now, you've been walking through a a season where you've just been hit with fear. One night after the next. One morning after the next. One conversation after the next. It's just all over you. The first thing as believers we have to do is when fear comes knocking, that we realize this is not from God. If God has not given it to you, you do not have to keep it. I'm going to say it again. If you get handed fear, like in the case of Elijah, first thing is, I feel this. It's a reality. It's accurate in where my feelings are. But you have to realize inside of your spirit, this is not from God. He's not the source of it. The very thing that God gives you, the first thing it says is he gives you power. Somebody shouts power. Come on, shout it like you mean it, power. God gives you his power. And I'm thankful for the power of God in my life. Every day I pray for five things. I pray for a pure heart. I pray for wisdom. I pray for favor, I pray for influence, and I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to be in my life. Because this is the thing, I, I want you to please lean into this. Whatever God calls you to do will be bigger than you. Like, if you're for real about your walk with Christ, I'm not talking like you just kind of going through the motions. I'm talking... You are sold out to the things of God. Lord, use me. God, speak to me. God, have your way in me. What he calls you to do will be bigger than you. And listen to me, this is important because we get this wrong all the time. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just our society or maybe our mindset or wrong teaching. We think God's going to call us to something easy. (laughs) I mean, that's funny right there, man. I don't care who you are. That is funny. God don't call you to easy. He doesn't call me to easy. If he called me to easy, then it'd be my idea. If he called me to easy, then I could do it in my own strength. But when God calls me to run with chariots, 
When he calls me to do the supernatural, it's not by my might or by my power, but it's by his spirit. And if God, listen, if God's not with me, I stand no chance. And I'm not ashamed of saying that. I'm not embarrassed of saying that. If God's spirit and his power is not on me, then I cannot do what he's called me to do. And I believe there are people in this room that God has placed callings on your life that you cannot shake. You can't shake them, man, but you haven't started to step out in them because fear is pulling you out of position. Some of you, it might be fostering kids or adoption, and whenever it comes up, your heart starts to beat and pound, and you think, man, God, is this you? But then you go to step, and you say, God, I don't know. What if you don't pull through? This might be difficult. If God calls you, he will equip you. If he has called you in this place with business, and sometimes we don't talk about this. But man, I believe God wants businessmen and businesswomen to lead in our community who come to this church and other churches around here. Why wouldn't he not want us to lead? If the spirit of God is on us and in us, we should be leading wherever we are. And some of you, God's planted dreams in your heart as it relates to what you do for an occupation and you feel comfortable right now where you are in your job that you've had for 15 years and you're comfortable, but there's something on the inside of you that God's saying, I'm calling you to run with chariots, but you wanna step out, but you don't step out because you think, what if things fail? What if I don't succeed? What if man rejects me? And you wanna step out, but fear is getting you out of position. Can I shout today, if God has called you, no man can stop you. If God has destined it in your heart, and you step out in obedience, even though it's hard and difficult, he will give you everything you need by his power and his strength to do what he's called you to do. Come on, can you give him a hand clap in here? Maybe some people in here, you, you're called to ministry. I mean, when I was 17 years old, a pastor stood up and said, there's some people in here, you're called to full-time occupational ministry. I didn't even know what that meant. Full-time occupational ministry, that sounds pretty high level but the Spirit of God came on me, 17 years old. Had no clue what God was gonna do, but I knew he had called me to ministry. Some of you, you have countries on your mind and your heart when you go to sleep. You think about countries you maybe have never even gone to, and God's calling you to be a missionary to those countries. And it is scaring you to death, but faith is saying step out. If you will step out, you will find my strength. If you wanna run with chariots, you've gotta make a first step. And if we never step, then we will never run. Man, when God calls you, he will equip you. I remember, I'm going to share something with you I've never shared before. I shared it with my wife yesterday, first time I've ever shared it with anybody because it's very vulnerable to me. I remember a few years ago, I was supposed to preach on a Sunday, and man, I was consumed with fear before I got up here and preached. Y'all like, oh, bless his heart. No, you don't understand. Like, I was running from Jezreel. I got here Sunday morning. There's a room upstairs. I went to that room. I sat down, and my heart is just pounding outside of my chest. I am like literally shaking. Fear has consumed me. And I remember sitting there, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was thinking of an exit strategy. <laughs> like, the Bishop of Biceps better make his way today because I'm about to get out of here. 
Am I going to fake being sick? Y'all can't believe I said that. When you are consumed with fear, you'll do things you didn't think you would do. I was about to just fake being sick. Man, I got to get out of here. I was scared to death sitting there. I remember coming downstairs, and right before I came up, this is how great God is, my friend. Right before I came up, I'm sweating. Lord, have mercy. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm thinking, oh, God, get me out of this. Oh, Lord, just cause worship to be amazing today. Just altar call right now. <laughs> Cameraman doing good all the way over here. I was about to get up, and I'm telling you, I heard four words. And it wasn't, it wasn't David, you're going to preach the greatest message ever preached. It wasn't, David, you're the greatest preacher who ever lived. It was not that. It was one simple thing. I am with you. And here's the thing. When God has called you and you realize his power is with you, it enables you to step out in things that you thought you couldn't step out in before. And I remember that's a long walk from over there to over here. And sometimes some of y'all don't look too happy to see me. And it's a long, I'm just playing, maybe. Uh, there's a long walk. And I'm stepping over here. And I'm thinking, oh God, you are with me. You are with me. If the creator of the universe is with me, come on somebody. If the God of all power is with me, if the God who delivered the children of Israel out of bondage, that same God is with me, then what in the world can God not do through me? And it's not a prideful or a cocky or an arrogant thing, but it is a confidence thing in who I am in Jesus Christ. And some of you in here, God is raising your posture a little bit. And he's saying, I want you to sit up a little straighter. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at your shame and start looking at me because my power and my presence is with you. I have ran out of time on point one. Man. But hey, we're having a good time, right? His power, his love, quickly I'll go over love. This one used to stump me up a lot. I'd be like, well, you could have just ended the sentence with, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, exclamation point. And we're out of here. God's sovereignty is highly significant and important, but so is his sacrifice. And I know and have had countless conversations with believers who do not really understand God's love for them. Love speaks of security. It speaks of comfort. It speaks of supernatural strength that his love imparts to you. But many of us have a sight problem as it relates to understanding his unconditional love towards you. Think about this. Peter and John, when they got news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, Peter had denied Jesus just days before. What did Peter take off doing? He ran. Again, if you see running in the Bible, something's up. He runs to the tomb. Peter knew something about Jesus that sometimes we lose sight of, that his love for us is always there. It's always consistent. It's always authentic. It's always real. You do not run towards angry. You run towards love. You run towards grace. You run towards forgiveness. And our God loves you. Be confident in his love. 
And, and I know we, we know this right here. Everybody look at me. We know this right here. But there's a great distinction between knowing it here and believing it here. Having a revelation of his love. And too many Christians have a hard time with this. And I'm praying today, if you're going to overcome fear, you've got to have his power. But you've also got to know his love because his love starts to push back fear. First John says this, there is no fear in love for perfect love does what? Cast out all fear. I'll say to my kids, man, I'll get down on my knee and I'll say to them, I'll say, man, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So I like it. I get down on my knee. And I just say, I love you so much. And it'll be, let's just say Judah. Judah's my middle child. I love you. And I'm just looking at his eyes. He probably thinks I'm crazy. I look at his eyes. I don't care. I love you so much. And I'll say, do you realize how much I love you? And he'll say, yeah, I realize. And I grab him and something comes on me. And I'm like, you have no clue how much I love you. How many parents you can relate to this? Like your kids. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I know you love me. You have no clue how much I'm, I don't really sound crazy right now. I'm going to stand up. <laughs> How much I love you. I believe God today is saying, you have no clue how much I love you. If you knew how much I love you, then fear of man would not even exist in your life. Words of man would fall to the ground in your life. Thoughts and distractions would begin to fall in your life because you serve a God who his power is with you. But even more awesome than that, his love is with you. I just fear feel fear being pushed back in this place right now, man, in my spirit. I feel it being pushed back. And some of you right now, it's a right now word. Others of you, you will face fear in your future and you'll need to grab a hold of this in your past. You say, Lord, you have not given me a spirit of fear. It's not from you, but of power and of love. And the final thing is this, is he has given us his mind. And this is critical. Because man, you cannot control what thoughts come knocking on your mind. What words are spoken to you? But you can, and I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit, control what I allow to take residence in my mind. And God wants our minds to be conformed to the image of Jesus' mind, that we think properly. Most of the time, fear is irrational. Think about it. Let's go back to the story of Elijah. He had just done awesome things. And he has gone to Jezreel where God has called him. And one word from one lady sends this amazing man of God running and getting out of position. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I know this might not be right to say, but in my mind, I would think, you just called down fire. Just called down fire on Jezebel. You know, that sounds bad, but I, I just, I just think that. Like, you could just call down fire, Elijah. But just one thought gets him out of position. And God says, I want your thinking to be right. Man, you gotta remember, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you power. I've given you strength. I've given you resource. My name holds every strength and power that you need. 
I have given you my love. It's so great you can't even comprehend it. The person who loves you most in life, their love does not even come close to the magnitude of my love for you, says the Lord. And the final thing is, when thoughts come in my head, I gotta take, I gotta take those things captive. What does the scripture say in 2 Corinthians? Take every thought captive and bring it into submission to the things of Christ. When it comes there, you gotta grab a hold of it. Man, if you wanna run with chariots, you want your life to be used in a supernatural and powerful way, don't allow fear to get you out of position. We have to have a mind change. A few years ago, we went to San Diego in California, beautiful place, and we went to the San Diego Zoo. And man, it was incredible. My kids love animals and we're just walking around and we come up to this caged area that like, it just caught me completely off guard. Couldn't understand it. Cause I looked over and in one cage was a cheetah and a dog. Okay, y'all picturing that? Like there's nothing between them. You got a cheetah and a dog. I mean, that's a little different. A cheetah and a dog. And, and one of the zookeepers was on the intercom. He started talking and I'm just staring at this. I'm baffled. How in the world is that dog still alive? The dog's alive in there with the cheetah. And, and he starts talking and he starts explaining that early on that this dog was placed in that cage and that dog became full grown. And then they placed a baby cheetah in there with the dog. And this isn't a huge dog, but it's a decent sized dog. Placed a baby cheetah. You can look it up on the internet. Placed a baby cheetah in there with this dog. And the dog, you know what he did? He set up and established dominance over that cheetah. That cheetah started to grow. That cheetah started to get big. I mean, a cheetah is a little bit stronger and faster and a little bit quicker than a dog. Y'all agree with that? But dominance had been set by the dog. The cheetah did not have a strength problem. The cheetah did not have a power problem. The cheetah had a mindset problem. And here this dog, a dog, and I love dogs, God bless dogs, but a dog is ordering this cheetah around. Wherever the dog went, guess who followed? The cheetah, just follow, is this crazy or what? Just following this cheetah. The dog went over here, cheetah went. Dog sat down, cheetah sat down. I'm just watching, I was amazed. Later on, the Lord showed me, this is what happens to us. We once were slaves of darkness. We once were slaves to the devil himself. But the Spirit of God, the power of God, the love of God has invaded my life. And now I don't have a strength problem because it's not my strength, it's his strength. I don't have an identity problem because it's not about what people think, it's about what God thinks. I sometimes have a mind problem and the thing, the slavery of, of, of fear that used to guide me sometimes starts to guide me. And I've just come today to tell you this, that you are the cheetah. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the cheetah. Some of y'all don't like this. You're like, I came and this is the conclusion of your message and I'm a cheetah. That's right, my friend. You a cheetah, and when the enemy comes a barking, I wish y'all would help me preach up in here. Because he will, and some of y'all think, oh, this is just hype. No, man, this is spiritual warfare, my friend. I'm telling you, it will happen. He will come after your mind with your kids. He will come after your mind with your finances. He will come after your mind with your calling. When the enemy comes 
barking. You remember, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Get behind me, devil. I am the cheetah. My God shall supply all my needs according to his goodness and his riches. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. If God is for me, who can stand against me? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this place. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.